The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome to the Influencer's Edge. I'm unbelievably excited to have our guest on today. He is a genius. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. I'm going to give his form, his formal biography in a second, but he is also, I'm honored to say, my coach. I've taken him on because he's just that good. So let me read his, uh, Jeff your formal biography. Jeffrey Combs is a renowned author, speaker, success and addiction coach, who specialize in separating feelings from past events in a process called letting go. Jeffrey started his business, Golden Mastermind Seminars, 23 years ago in 1998, and has coached over 15,000 clients and 70,000 one-on-one hours. That's amazing, Jeff. He's published five books, including a number one Amazon best-selling Seller and has been featured on social media publications, magazine, radio, Fox, ABC, CBS, Lifetime. Jeff is available for one-on-one coaching, which I highly recommend, as well as keynote speeches, podcasts, Zooms, and Facebook Lives. Jeff, thank you for giving me the profound honor of interviewing you today. Paul, it is my absolute privilege and pleasure to be here with you. Honored to be here. Fantastic. Good to connect with you. Thank you. So I want to jump in a little bit and just spend a minute on your own story because you've gathered so much wisdom and so much knowledge. There's a man, an author by the name of Carlos Castaneda. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he had a teacher. Of course, I've read him. Well, 1975. Great. Don Juan said, a fine power is always heralded by a great pain. And you've been through, through so much. So very briefly, you could tell your story about addiction and the pain that you went through and how you pulled yourself out of it. I want to also acknowledge you for that fantastic edification, that first class edification. And I knew a man like you would do that. So it's a, it really is a deep honor to be here with a man of your influence and affluence and to be on your, to be able to share your audience. So I am a recovering alcoholic and I mean, I have been through many addictions. I am a recovering drug addict, alcoholic, pathological liar, serial cheater, uh, chronic debtor, codependent. The drug choice was alcohol. By the time I graduated to rock bottom, my rock bottom was in a wheelchair in Ceres, California, 
which is near Modesto. Yeah. In a free drug and alcohol clinic on the wing of a county hospital. That's that's where I ended up. I was not in the Betty Ford clinic or passages in Malibu. I was in a free heroin clinic. I spent four days on Demerol coming down from drinking a gallon of vodka a day. I had a place at 31 years old and 11 months where I was, I was having delirium tremens seven days a week. That's the DTs. That means I was convulsing. I was seeing things, losing my will to live. And I weighed 114 and I was relegated to riding a bicycle because I couldn't drive. I couldn't go out. I became a apartment drinker and I could barely leave the apartment. That was my rock bottom. That's that's where I ended up. Now, before that, I'm the I'm the son of a Hall of Fame basketball coach. My parents have four degrees between the two of them. My postgraduate work, she was a college professor. My, my father's a Hall Hall of Fame basketball coach. I was the All-American boy, but I had so much rage left over from never good enough. There was a moving target that I could never seem to hit. And there was a lot of criticism, which creates a lot of trauma, a lot of repressed emotions, and rage I held on to. Now, in high school, I was perfect. But the minute I stepped out of my parents' house, I went off the rails. That was 1975. Vietnam had just ended. I was in college. I was on a campus, Vietnam vets. Drugs were everywhere. Methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin. I mean, it was it was welcome to the party that never ends for me. Wow. And the next 14 years, drinking myself all down to the bottom of a pop-off vodka bottle. Okay. I had long since passed Smirnoff and, and Stolich and Ab, it was the eight dollar pop off plastic bottle. If I could, Jeff, forgive me, um, because our time is limited. This is an incredible story. I think people have gotten you've come from tremendous pain. So, what was your start of letting go? This is the process you teach that I'm already, after only four sessions with you, beginning to experience profound change. So, thank you. Can you tell us about the letting go process and how that assisted you in climbing out of this beyond rock bottom, but a deep, deep hole? honor to share my 20 now i read i read castanada in 75 and so i was i was introduced to spirituality and i read journey to axelton i read the teachings of don juan and then i was introduced to unit church to was dating reading the daily word and i was actually reading books while i was an addict but my when i got clean and sober i went to i started going to aa and what was unique was that my very first aa meeting outside of out of treatment, there were three millionaires there. And all three of those millionaires were just very warm and friendly to me. And I had always wanted to be a millionaire as, in my 20s. And I'm like, whoa, this is this this is this unique. I mean, like, I attracted this. And then in the meetings, I had I didn't I had no like Christian beliefs. I was somewhere between agnostic, atheist. And when they were talking about letting go, letting go, I was able to at least accept that. But no process is what I started to really to understand. And so for the next 10 years, I started to study Napoleon Hill. I started to read Wade and Dyer. I read John Bedshaw. Brought had a impact on me on coming home and the book Healing Your Inner Child. And then I went to a seminar 
where, where people were burying their soul, the treatment recovery seminar, and people were talking about letting go. And this was in my first couple. And there was no content on letting go, ex- except Guy Finley had some content on letting go, and he had the handbook to higher consciousness. So I started studying that, and I started where the person that wrote was Louise Hay. Her, her groundbreaking book, You Can Heal Your Life, that became a book that I carried everywhere with me. So I read You Can Heal Your Life and You Can Heal Your Body. I found Florence Lovell Shen, who, who covered the context of letting go. Now, what letting go is to me now, letting go is my ability. So when you speak letting go, it's in first person. So my ability separate my feelings from them. So letting go, when I teach letting go, letting go, there's a reflex to letting go. Because when you've been violated, traumatized, when you have grown up in alcoholism, addiction, dependency, or traumatized, sexually abused, and you live in unpredictability, your body's in a state of hypervigilance. Yes. You're in fight or flight like this. And so that's where we become an addict. We become addicted to a set of feelings and recreate the things over and over. The body is going to run this. It means there's a skill set to it. It's not just an animation, a skill set to it. And as you learn the skill set of letting go, you can virtually change who and what you attract because the body's not in this hypervigilant trauma bond state of overwhelm as you learn this. However, Paul, it's important for people to understand letting go is not an exercise. Letting go is an experience that you experience the rest of your life. It's a skill set. And as you become good at it, it's like an athletic skill. There's a reflex to it. And as you develop that reflex of letting go, you will find yourself in less conflict with people. You don't have to be right as often. You can let these people who want to argue about politics argue with themselves them get in their straight jacket and roll around and you don't have to be in the ring with them. I love that metaphor. <laughs> but you don't, I mean, you can let people be right while you, while you become prosperous. Now that doesn't mean you just turn the other cheek, but the text is, is you don't have to relapse back into the same emotions that created your, you continue to perpetuate to sabotage your feelings and your results. Got it. Now, one thing that I've, I'm learning from you, and it's something that I'm sort of relearning because I learned it but then forgot it, is once we let go, we then begin to attract circumstances and people that we just couldn't do when we're in that trauma state where we're in fight and flight. Is that correct? That's correct. And there, it's also common that people sabotage those new relationships because they're so unfamiliar, so uncomfortable. The people so sabotage business opportunities and soulmates and teammates and other situations because they're starting to attract what they what they dreamed of, but it's so contradictory that there are times that people still say it's common, it's not normal, but it does happen. So that's also a part of the let go process is accepting that it's it, you, there's still going to be flaws in it. You can read the book Letting Go, but it doesn't mean at all. It's a lifetime experience. I love that distinction between what's common and what's normal. That's very, very powerful distinction. This is one of the things I love about you as my own coach is you will correct 
my, you will help me make distinctions that I don't know because I'm stuck in my own ways of thinking. It's part of your genius. Uh, here's a distinction I sister. Here's a distinction I sister along today. This common. Does that make sense? And I'll go. I don't accept sense. That's pennies. What I will assist you with is understanding. <laughs> I love it. Let me move on to another question because we have so little time. Um, what advice would you give offer on the ability to attract like-minded clients? Be clear on who your be clear on who your database is. I mean, if you're a coach or if you're a whatever 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 business you own, whatever whatever you do for a vocation. You want to have an, who's your ideal client? I mean, that's the first situation. Now in the internet world, you hear the term avatar. Who's your avatar? Well, I mean, what is that? I mean, what is that? I mean, the ideal client is someone, first of all, that's going to be relatively easy to do business with or to collaborate with. You're not looking for people who are difficult. You want people who are warm, who are friendly, who are special who don't want to argue with you about political situations, who don't want to make you wrong. You want to be able to pick up on these people early in conversation so that you can separate yourself from this addiction and attract the ideal clients. Now, now that sounds all nice and good, but there's an 80-20 rule and a 90-20 rule. So there's going to be about like 80% of the population. It's that 20% of the population that you look for, that 10% or that 5% or that 1%, those ideal clients. You're looking for someone who I'm looking for people I can have a long-term relationship with who will refer me clients, organic clients, organicness. But there, there's a win-win situation. There's a, there's a value proposition. I'm, I'm going to deliver the value and service, but I'm also looking for people who can receive it and then they can go on with it. And they're not dependent on me. They become independent for me business. I think that's a beautiful distinction. Someone once said, I don't remember who it is, Jeff, that the best teachers want to make themselves, uh, uh, what is it? They want to make themselves no longer necessary to their students. They want their students to graduate. And that I think is also your intent. You want your students to graduate and not be dependent on you, which I think is beautiful. Right. Yes, and those people oftentimes will refer you referral. I mean, that's an organic lead. I mean, when you have to buy a lead, it, it takes it, your value, it diminishes your value because you, you want a lead that, that comes from service and value, not from one you have to go out and purchase through internet marketing and things like this. And that is so it's contrary. Well done. And that Jeff, that's so contrary to all the advice out there, all the coaches who are saying, set up internet funnels, buy Facebook ads, uh, make sure that you're on social media every day and you become a media celebrity. This is so, this is what I love because on the Influencers Edge, we'd like to interview people who have contrarian views, who are willing to call bullshit on what doesn't work. And I love that, that you're essentially saying this is the way to do it. And you're someone who's a multimillionaire. One of my mentors said, don't take uh, opinions, because opinions come from people who are not successful, seek counsel from people who have already achieved the results. So I really like that answer. That's a brilliant answer. Uh, I, I, do use, I do use the internet, but I'm talking like the sales funnels. I've, I've invested in those and they I seldom ever get a result, no matter how thousand dollars I've invested. 
No, I'm a devotee of, of David Hawkins. You froze her. Is, I'm sorry, Jeff. Let's... A whole ch- has a whole section on attraction. The same, yeah, he says, go ahead. I'm so I, sorry. You I, thank you for the edification. Oh, I'm sorry. You froze just for a second. Go ahead. You're good. You're good. It's on my end. I'm sorry. All right, let's go to the next question. I'm ready. All right. My apologies. Uh, so if you could help us out with habit skills or routines, how important are those? Well, habits are, are what I do daily. It's who I'm being daily. So it's habitually, the word habit comes from habitual. So most of the world's habits are not good. What they do is they tend to wing it. Yeah. They don't get up at the same time. And then and they, here's the most common habit that people avoid to rebel against their life. They don't make their bed. It's the first habit that you can do in the morning. There's a video from the five, that's okay, I understand, but there's a five-star general who's a commencement speech at University of Texas at Austin that covers why making a bed's important routine because it's the first situation you have the opportunity to be habitual in the morning. But many people don't have a system to run their life. They're just out there. They're winging it. They're not... They don't have a routine, a system. They don't have clarity. They don't have clearly defined goals. And then they're out winging it. Then they end up overwhelmed, overweight, in debt, trying to pull it off at the last minute. And that's unfortunately the way a large percent of society is. So the discipline means disciple of, or it can mean I'm going to discipline you. So there's, there's, there's a pain, there's pain associated with the word discipline for many people. So they avoid being disciplined and what they do is rebel. And then they try and pull it off at the last minute and they wing it. Now that creates the cardio cocktail. That creates the Sir Galahad, Queen of Guinevere, I'm gonna ride in and rescue myself from losing my estate. From I'm gonna pull it off at the very last minute. I had a, I had a guy do it today, he's wanting to rehire me and here's his words, I'm scrambling to find the money. And I'm like, dude, is that eggs? Or what are you talking about? <laughs> scrambling to find the money? I mean. <laughs> I love that. Um, very quickly, because I'm, I'm, I don't like the word guilty. This is something that you and I are working with. I, I don't like the word guilty. That's a terrible metaphor. It goes into blame and storytelling. We're not going to get to that narrative. How do you deal with people who have that discipline challenge and feel it that taking on discipline is restriction, is somehow uh, a restriction on them? Well, I start with where it came from, which is usually their parents. So there's a rebellion. I, I assist people to understand that if you're rebelling against yourself, it's not conducive to living the life you want to live. It's Discipline is not my discipline. And if that word is too painful for you, let's find another word. Because it's going to be important that you understand why you do what you do. Because if you've been rebelling for 40 years and you're pulling it off at 60 years old, well, there's a high tolerance to that rebellion. If you can't get your car in your garage because of all the stuff you hold on to, (laughs) this isn't going to happen overnight. So this is, I, I coach people who are chronic avoiders, who are chronic procrastinators, who are chronic at being chronic. And so I, I let them know that this is a long-term process and I'm not a quick fix. 
And if you set me up to disappoint you, then you'll be disappointed. I love that. I love that. I love that. If you set me up to be disappointed, then you'll be disappointed. I love it. We've actually are are, are just like burning through the time because you're so good at this. Um, So what would you, what advice would you give for an entrepreneur in today's world? Because without getting into politics, my perception, my narrative only, and please correct me if you don't see it this way, is the world is going to hell in a handbasket. That's one, one way of looking at it. How does an entrepreneur thrive in, in, with the world being the mess that it's in? All right. You're, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm going to edify that. So I'll, I'll use a different set of words. So the, the world is challenging right now. I mean, it's you're, you see all this. I mean, just like yesterday, we, what, what's going on yesterday and the day before and the day before. And so there's, there's a lot of trauma-based mind control going on. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure put on the world. There's a lot of it. And so people are communicating how difficult it is, the degree of difficulty, the gas, the food, the shortages, the, the food plants, the food supply. I mean, it's just like this. There's so the first, if you're going to be a business owner in today's world, it's an adapt and adjust world. It's going to be, it's going to be important that if you're a business owner, that you find where you're going to be valuable. And if you're if you're a if you're an entrepreneur, you may have to adapt and adjust in ways you haven't adapted because they're, I mean, gas, food, I mean, and credit interest is going up. I have a client who just bought a house, Massachusetts, or interest rate was six point five. I mean, that's that's what it is. So that means if you're a business owner, you accept the situation for what it is, and you find the best strategy you possibly can to be and stay in prosperity. Meaning that if you're going to own a business, it's going to be your responsibility to find to bring value proposition and create commerce in business today. Now that I mean, for me, I'm a coach, but if if coaching loses its if coaching loses its um, popularity, I'll adapt and adjust to something else. I mean, I'll, I'll figure it out. But you have to be prepared for them to adapt and adjust quick. I mean, it, it, we, it's that precarious right now. Okay, Jeff, we but have there's actually... Still oppor- but there's still opportunities, though. There's still great places to be oh, a business wait. owner. It's oh, not wait. gloom and doom for me. It's, it's okay, where's that space? Where's that spot? How can, how can I get my clients to have that open consciousness to attract the business, the situation, the opportunity? opportunity the clients are their reality well that's letting go that's letting go of being disappointed letting go of talking about how hard it is letting and and living one day at a time looking for those opportunities and situations that are going to empower others and yourself at the same time what a different world it would be if people mastered that skill of letting go instead of telling themselves limiting narratives and being in victimhood and uh, feeling that they're at effect rather than creating cause in their life, it would be such a better and such a different world. And I thank you that you are one of the, uh, I don't know if you take on this label, but one of the warriors, one of the point men, at the tip of the spirit leading that charge. It, it's just uh, a profound pleasure and honor to have you, not just on my show, but have you as my coach. Really, it's, you're incredibly impactful, man. That's a great compliment, Paul. I, I really appreciate it. So I'm prepared to dish the rock. That's what you mean. <laughs> You're prepared to what, sir? 
dish the rock in basketball that means throw the pass i mean okay. he needs to, okay. he needs to lead the team i'm 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 here to totally receive it jeff we've reached we burned through our time i, I want to thank you for offering so much incredible value i apologize to our audience for the quality of the internet connection that's on me the uh, cox cable at the last minute they never failed to disappoint you do have a free gift so can you tell us what the free gift is and how people can connect with you for that well for anyone who's connected with my content and would like to find out more about how i can insist or empower them i offer a free 20-minute coaching session for people who've considered coaching before so if you want some strategies some insight and some wisdom on how i can assist you to let go my niche is is assist people to understand the mechanism of letting go and the power of letting go and what can it do for your life like immediately as you begin to understand that insight so if you want a free free 20 20 minute coaching session you can find me on instagram or you can find me on facebook or linkedin any social media platform you can send me a message and i'll respond to you immediately jeffrey j-e-f-f-e-r-y-c-o-m-b-s and your website is goldenmastermind.com yeah, or jeffreycombs.com either one Jeffrey of them Combs. that's j-e-f-f-e-r-y for those that is correct we need to know it <laughs> because that's also my middle name so there you go we have that in common i want to thank you so much and i continue to look forward to all the amazing assistance and changes you're helping guiding me through it's very rare as a coach who's been doing this for 30 years and worked with tens of thousands of people to meet with someone eye to eye who I consider to be my equal and uh, had so much to offer. So from my heart again, thank you. I, I deeply appreciate you. Thank you, Paul. Honored to be your coach and friend and be on your, in your culture here. Thank you, Jeff. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909. 741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack at sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on The Influencers Edge Show.